Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and today we are going to continue, Is It Better to Marry? I'm going to begin with a poem from my book of poetry entitled, A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And today's poem is entitled, Judgmental. Here we go. People tell me not to sin, and yet they do it daily. If we all sin, and if we all fall short, why judge me with your hypocrisy? If we were born into sin, why pressure me until I go crazy? Some folks left out the full report when they are living their lavish lives daily. Perfection in this flesh cannot be achieved and pursuing it comes with a high, with a very high price. In this skin, we cannot afford it. We can attempt it, but we will fail because this is why Christ died for us. We can only be perfect by his blood. The cares of this world will sift you slowly. So why don't they just tell the truth? That even they, on their best of days, are just as guilty of sin too. We really aren't worthy of God's love. No matter what we think, religion can leave a person quite filthy from the inside out, but to conquer is to rise above and to never live in fear or doubt. So if nothing I do can save my life, why should being perfect in your eyes even count? So I hope that y'all are having the most blessed morning, evening, afternoon Whenever it is that you hear this episode, the poem that I just read is from my book of poetry entitled A Strong Will Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And before my episode was interrupted on yesterday, <laughs> y'all, well, we've had that conversation, so I'm going to go ahead and proceed. But I was talking about, is it better to marry? And the question that I was about to say is, do you know how many people that have talked to me, that have called me, that have expressed what they've gone through in their now situation and have stated to me what it was like in the beginning and how it is now or how it ended and A lot of times when I'm listening to how these relationships begin, it's because they started with passion and because they did not want to be judged by the church. They went ahead and pursued marriage because they did not want to lose their position in the church. They went ahead and they pursued marriage. Now, looking back, 
when they're honest with themselves, marriage wasn't even on their mind until someone projected that on them. They weren't even thinking about going that route just yet until someone projected that on them. I know this individual and I am super, super proud of her. She was in a situation and she was a virgin. And I'm not saying she's not a virgin now, y'all. I'm just telling you that this this season of her life, she was a virgin. And there was a gentleman that wanted to marry her. They got as far as the actual date of the marriage. So we had the celebration, the engagement celebration. We had all of that. They had the pastor picked out, which happened to be her grandfather. They had the pastor picked out and all of that. And what she did in her quiet time was seek the face of God. So even though everyone was celebrating the engagement, everyone was celebrating the new wedding to be, all of that, she kept seeking the face of God. And the more that she sought the face of God, she knew the scripture, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. And that was her intent is to marry instead of burning with passion. However, the more that she sought the face of God, she saw the signs that this man was giving And she had a moment in her prayer time. And that moment in her prayer time, she was able to foresee what being married to that individual would look like. And she didn't like what she saw. So she set aside every weight in terms of people judging her for not marrying this man. She set aside The fact that people would be like, well, what really happened behind closed doors? Why all of a sudden did she say no? And draw their own conclusions. She set those weights aside. Why did they go ahead and not get married? She set the gossip aside. She set the judgment aside. (laughs) She set the ostracism aside. She set the church folk aside. She set the fear of church folk aside. And when she looked, all she saw was God. What do you say about my now situation? I know what the church folks say. But what do you say? I know what the scripture says. But what do you say? How is this going to get you glory? Am I still going to be whole if I married this person? Am I going to still grow if I married this person? Or am I going to be stifled if I married this person? Are you going to get the glory from this union if I married this person? So she started asking God questions. And in the process of asking him questions, she got a revelation. 
That it, And then after she got that revelation, y'all, it did not matter to her what other people thought. So she made the announcement after talking to the fiance that the wedding was off. I, because I'm very, 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 very close to her, <laughs> called in my time not to be nosy, but to check on her. Because I know that a lot of times there are women that have what's called the Cinderella syndrome. And if you fall prey to that, then it could have an impact on you if for one moment you have a moment of clarity. And you're like, I don't think I'm a, I don't think I really want to do this. So by my asking and checking on her, that's when she revealed to me. After I prayed, told me about the process, she was like, God confirmed, this is not my husband. So what if you do marry so that you will not burn with passion? Do you know that there's a lot of people that have even told me, I knew that wasn't my spouse, but I married him anyway. Could it be that the reason why you married him is because the people that were looking at you that have put their consciences on you, you did not want to be that person where they judged you. So what you did to appease them was say, I do. I'm not debating the scripture. I'm just calling something to your attention. Be careful. Because I literally have walked a mile in those shoes where I did the very thing that I thought was considered obedient. But I did not weigh those words. I didn't take enough time. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it, y'all. So I had someone, because I was getting married from that same concept, it's better to marry than to burn with passion, right? After I said I do, (laughs) not before, not before, but after the commitment had been made, I end up having a conversation with a very dear friend of mine. And her question was so simple. I'm about to cough one moment. (coughs) Excuse me. Her question was. I heard you pray to God, that you prayed to God and asked God, was he your husband? Wait for it, y'all. Her next question was, but did you wait for his response? So let's talk about the difference of my situation and someone else's situation, the other person's situation. The virgin asked God, is he the one? waited (laughs) for his response and God said no on the other hand Teresa asked God is he the one did not wait and proceeded under the umbrella of it's better to marry than to burn with passion so I used that 
in a sense of, well, you already said in the Bible, it's better to marry than burn with passion. So those are my instructions, right? That was me not weighing the word for my now situation. I really hope that you get that. I took a verse from the scripture. Yes, it's gospel. Yes, it's the Bible. But I did not weigh it in my now situation. Just hearing it, just reading it is not always sufficient. Sometimes you have to apply it, but how you apply it is different. So just because I heard those words, just because I knew those words, just because those words were thrown back in my face, did I take time out to rightly divide the word? And did I take time out to study to show myself approved? And by showing myself approved, let me delve into what you really mean. What's, what was going on in this situation? And does it apply to me? Can I take something from it? And still, despite my taking something from it, I need to seek you to find out how it applies to my now situation. Because it may just be a guideline, a blueprint in terms of consider this. If you have the option of the two and you are burning with passion with this individual, instead of fornicating all willy-nilly, instead of sinning all willy-nilly, you may want to consider marriage since you're doing things that married people do. But even in considering that, you need to count up the cost. You need to seek the face of God and you need to see if this is something that will give him glory. Because it could be as simple as, get this y'all, reading that scripture, seeking his face, him giving you the revelation that all you need to do is repent from your sin. But don't marry her or don't marry him. And sometimes your sin could be as simple as, God, I'm having lustful thoughts about this person. Help me. See the difference? You're confessing that to him. He can help you with that. You may not be required to marry. You've counted up the cost. And then he'll give you God ideas. Okay, we're going to create a way of escape. Because according to my word, I'm not going to, I, as God, am not going to put on you more than what you can bear. I'm going to offer you a way of escape. So, because you've confessed this to me, let me show you the ways of escape. You need to leave at this time. Y'all both need to agree about this type of distance. If you do not have to know how to practice self-control, then this is what having self-control looks like. You need to have a conversation. You need to talk about what it is that, and it's crazy because you can have triggers. Like triggers are not always, in my opinion, 
traumatic. You could just have certain things that through the experience of your life that may, (coughs) excuse me, trigger you to do something that may not necessarily be in your best interest. So being able to talk about those things, being able to discuss those things, let me explain to you why I made this decision. Let me explain to you why this works for me. Because in the past, when I did it this way, I got this outcome. So what I've learned is that this is not healthy for me mentally. So what I've created are ways for me to guard my heart and guard my mind so that if this relationship does not work, I don't have the residue of a decision that I made before in past relationships that I also made in this relationship. And now I'm having to hold on to that baggage. I don't want that experience. What I want is an experience to grow. So this is why I've chosen to do life differently now. It may not make sense to you, but it's how I stay guarded. Like sometimes we just have to have those conversations and then we got to check in with the individual. Now, remember what I said when we first got together, how are you feeling now that we've been together Have you changed your mind in terms of still doing life with me? Is this too much of a weight on you? Is it too much pressure on you? Are you still seeing eye to eye? Those are the conversations that a lot of times we just make assumptions in, but we should truly be having. That way, if someone decides that they want to check out and they want to pursue something different, at least you've had that dialogue. So... Looking over when it comes to counting up the cost, if you create those types of, I'm just going to call them safety nets for the sake, for the lack of a better way to describe it. If you create a safety net and this one of the safety nets being, let me just see the face of God. Let me just see if he can tell me if this is a yes or a no, because sometimes God will say, not yet. Sometimes God will say, um, this is not, well, not yet is like, this is not the season. Excuse me. Sometimes he will say yes. And then there are times that he will say no. In the virgin situation, he said no. But now I'm just doing this for the sake of getting you to understand. Let's just say the virgin would have went ahead and took what man said and how man had projected onto her. You need to marry him, girl, because you don't need to be losing your virginity before you get married. So go ahead and marry that man. What if that man is physically abusive? What if that man is verbally abusive? What if that man is an alcoholic? What if that man is a pedophile? What if that man is cruel in so many ways that we don't even know, but we have projected our opinions onto her to make her believe that the only way she'll be accepted in the church is to go ahead and marry that man. What if he's a womanizer? What if he's a trick? What if he's a whore? Now, yes, I know there's a positive side to it. What if he is the greatest man on earth? What if he is loyal? What if he is a man of God? What if he is, I get it. I'm speaking in terms of projecting your opinion on this person because all you hear is, oh, she's a virgin. 
she should wait until she gets married to lose her virginity. And even if that is correct, you may be speaking a curse on her by telling her to marry this person because you don't want them to burn with passion because you've taken it out of the context and it's not their now situation. What if she has major self-control? You don't miss what you ain't never had. So what if her self-control is so, so on point? Her mind doesn't go where your mind goes. She's not thinking about the intimacy. She's thinking about long term. Can I truly give God glory in this union? Am I going to be able to do X, Y, and Z? Is, are he and I going to have the type of relationship that we can go to church together, that we can pray together, that we can praise together? Are we going to have that type of dialogue or is it going to be where now I'm just his sex servant? That's all he wanted was my body. So he married me. He had no problem with that. See, that's what counting up the cost, counting up the cost looks like. And so a lot of times we perish for the lack of knowledge. I'm not telling you that the scripture that I have provided is, oh, don't do that. Don't follow it. Don't. And I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is do your very best to count up the cost. Do your very best to seek the face of God. And if you don't believe in God, trust your greater conscience. Trust your gut. Because you can literally save yourself a season or a lifetime of heartache and pain by trusting that if you hear or see the warning signs, because remember, sometimes it's just not now is the answer. But how are you going to know if you're not truly paying attention to the signs I know what the scripture says. I get it. But at the same time, let me tell y'all what I've heard on numerous occasions. There are so many ways to interpret the scripture. And that's true. My perception or my reception of the scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. For me, it may, it may be interpreted that my will is greater. That will within me to thrive, to strive, to overcome is greater than someone in the world speaking against me. But to someone else, that same scripture can be interpreted as, oh, greater is he that is in me, the God in me, than he that is in the world. That's the devil. So greater than he that is in, greater is he that is in me, greater is the God that's in me. Than he that is in this world, that's the devil, to someone else. 
It's not a, we do this all the time. Well, my interpretation is greater than your interpretation. Um, if my interpretation is going to set me free and your interpretation is going to set you free, why will we have a debate about that? That's petty. But it's a lot of religions that do that. My interpretation is greater than your interpretation. So when I read, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. I don't care what you say because my interpretation is greater. Go ahead and marry that man. Go ahead and marry that woman. But you could literally be setting them up. What if that person is abusive? And next thing you know, because you didn't see it, all you saw was the surface. And next thing you know, you're flicking on the news one day and they're talking about the very person that you said, yeah, go ahead and marry it so that you don't burn with passion. And they're saying, a situation happened at the home of blah, blah, blah. And this individual has now been murdered by the person that you told her to marry or by the person you told him to marry so that they wouldn't burn with passion. How does God get the glory in that? Let people, it's one thing to give people counsel, godly counsel. It's another for you to tell them what to do. The profession that I'm in outside of this, one of the things that we are literally, it's ingrained in us to say, <clears throat> excuse me, we are not here to advise you. We, now think about this, we may have the answer. We may know which way is the best way for this person. But what we do instead is give them tools for them to figure it out on their own. Think about that for a moment. We may have the answers. We may know exactly what they need to do in their situation. But instead, what we do is give them the tools to make their own decision. Your Bible is a tool. Prayer is a tool. God is a tool. Your conscience is a tool. Your gut is a tool. Your journal is a tool. Even though I may have the answers or not, <clears throat> excuse me, which is why it's good for you to count up the cost for yourself. If you are given the tools, it makes it way easier for you to make the right decision for you. I was super proud of the individual by calling off the wedding. And one of the reasons why I was super proud is because she did not let what people say caused her to make a wrong decision that could have majorly impacted her life and in a bad way, not in a good way. And the fact that she was able to see that and use godly wisdom and seek his face and not be concerned about what people said, not even the not even her grandfather, not even her parents. 
not even her sibling, not even her friends, not even the church folk. She was concerned about what God say. What say you, God, about my now situation? I've heard the church folk. I've read the scriptures. We've been to the counseling. But in my alone time with you, let me show you what I see. You tell me if that is something that is figure outable, if we were to say I do or not. Those types of dialogues can help you live a very healthy life. And let me say one more thing. I know that this is called the Dear Future Hubby podcast. And those of you that have been following and listening for as long as I've done this, it's been over a year now. So by the grace of God, despite every dart that has been thrown my way, that has tried to distract me just in life in general, I thank God that I have been obedient to his instructions and did it anyway. However, and I thank y'all for listening. Let me just let me just say that. Thank you to all of my listeners. You all have not without you even knowing it, you have put fire under my feet to be more consistent. So I thank you for that. I thank you for your being willing to listen to all of the craziness. I thank you for being able to allow me to be my authentic self. I thank you. But one of the things that I was so proud about with the and I'm call, I'm saying the virgin because it's the easiest thing for me to do since I can't say no names. But anyway, so one of the things I was proud about is how she maneuvered that situation. And y'all, fast forwarding, she now has the career that she desires. She now has her home that she wanted, and she is now living her best life. She made a decision that impacted her life in the best of ways. When other people were telling her to go left, she went right, and that worked for her. But let me say something else. I know that this is called the Dear Future Hubby podcast. This is my own personal journey. And yes, the desire to marry has not faded. However, the way that I look at the marriage realm has changed. And because I know that whenever you say I do, it becomes about the other person more than it does you. Because I know that getting married is a selfless thing where you you can't be selfish. If you're selfish, stay single. That's just my opinion. I'm not telling you to do it. That's just my opinion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because it requires selflessness. Excuse me. And so what I've learned is that because it requires selflessness, I am now counting up the cost. Because if I opt to remarry, I want to remarry for all the right reasons. And the only way that I can do that 
is to count up the cost. The only way that I could do that is to truly count up the cost. It's not something that I will um, have all the answers to overnight, which is the reason why, as you can see, this has taken over a year. Is because I'm learning. I'm learning about my past traumas, y'all, and my waiting season. I'm learning about my triggers and my learning season. I'm unlearning some things that I learned that were projected on me when I was younger. I am learning. And I don't always make a hundred, but this is my transparency. There are scriptures in the Bible that I have mistook. That I have misunderstood, that I have misapplied, and I have suffered for it. So I'm coming from a place of just experience. And I don't want to, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did. I don't want it to take as long for you as it did for me. It's not fair. Some of the stuff we don't, people shouldn't have to go through. I'm just, being honest, I really feel like some of the stuff we bring on ourselves just because of it, like not knowing, just being plain ignorant. So if I can help one person not make the same mistakes that I did. Because it's one thing for you to say, I'm going to marry this person because I really, truly believe that this is my purpose partner and I want to do life with this individual. Take passion out of the equation. Now you are marrying this person with intent. But if passion is what's leading you to marry this person, well, I just don't want to burn with passion. That's what's leading you? You just don't want to fornicate? You just don't want to sin? That's what's leading you to say I do? Do you know how long that's going to last? Once you consummate that marriage, the next morning, you're going to look at that person. And if y'all are seeing each other in a different light, what if this is an individual that you consummate the marriage and all he wanted to do was fulfill his sexual desire? And then after you have honored that in wedlock, he looks at you like, uh, it wasn't all that. And I don't think I could do this for the rest of my life. He didn't look at you like uh, we need to work on some things together so that God can get the glory even in our intimacy. Maybe he's not a patient man. But you're not going to know that until you say I do. But that could be detrimental if you don't have the wherewithal. Maybe you may not have the patience that's required to get y'all to a point that the marriage becomes successful. He may not have the patience that's required to get y'all to a point where the marriage becomes successful. See, that's the reason why you need to be able to understand what it is that you're getting yourself into, why it is that you're making this commitment and don't do it to please church folks. Y'all. Okay. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to ruffle some feathers on purpose. Okay. You do realize that it's a lot of people that go to church that are in these behind these pulpits that are sinning more than the people in the congregation. You do know that, right? 
Now, there are a lot of people that are living upright and righteous and holy. But there's a lot of people that are contradicting themselves as well as the word of God based off of the lives that they're living behind closed doors. And then on top of that, if you put your focus on that person and not the Bible and not the word, you are setting yourself up because people are going to fail. They're not perfect. You can only be perfect in Christ. My opinion. You cannot be perfect alone. Also my opinion. But be careful. Be careful of taking someone telling you, you better do it this way. And then later on, you discover, but you're not even doing it that way. Well, I know. You know how the parents used to say, do what I say and not what I do? You know that goes on in the church too, right? If you don't, I just want to, you know, share that with you. It does. There was a, and I've shared this with a, um, another pastor and thank, I thank God for her. She actually apologized on, on his behalf to me about the situation. But I'm just giving you an example of how I know that there are situations that happen behind closed doors. Sometimes even in front of the people. But there was a situation where we were at the church. This is, thank you, thank you, God. This is a perfect example of how you can have a scripture and take it out of context. Here we go. I'm going to share this with y'all so you know that I'm coming from a place of experience. Went to this church, had been going to this church actually for about, you know, a few months. After the service, the pastor, mind you, he is married. The pastor is greeting everybody in the congregation. This is years ago, y'all, years ago, but it still happened to me. 